Welcome back, golf fans. We have the Century Tournament of Champions in 2023. Going to be doing the deep dive here for you, showing you guys pretty much everything you need to know for this tournament between just kind of showing you guys the course overview, uh, giving you guys the top stat fits, the top course history players, uh, top in recent form, then going uh, high tier, mid tier, low tier, value tier, breaking it down there, which are my top players there, giving you guys the core plays, and then give you guys a first look build, touching on all that. Uh, you know, it was a very fun fall swing. And honestly, it's going to be tough to top that, just how good of a fall swing it was. But that tells me that the data is in a good spot, that it was like such, I don't want to say easy fall swing, but easy fall swing. Uh, you know, we've been doing things well. So hopefully we can continue that. It is an event in which the golfers had a lot of time off. And typically speaking, that leads to more variance. So that'll be something I touch on in this video. Just a reminder, if you guys enjoy the coverage, make sure to give a like and subscribe. You can tell I'm excited to get into golf, excited to get it back, excited to get this information out to you guys. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right. So looking at the course, just trying to figure out what we should be expecting for this tournament. So looking at it, guys, the winning score is going to be very low. So we do want to get golfers that can score. Uh, that, I think that'd be probably the biggest thing that we're looking at. And, and we can see last year, the weather conditions were perfect. Typically speaking in Hawaii, it's more subject to winds at this time of year. Um, right now, it doesn't seem like it's going to be too windy. I'm only seeing about 15 mile per hour wins. If that changes, you know, that could change the dynamic of this tournament. You know, the previous two years, the winning score was minus 25 by Harris English. The year before that was minus 14 and the weather was really terrible there. And Justin Thomas obviously won that. So really it just depends on the weather, what the winning score is going to be uh, right now, as it sits, it looks like it's going to be a very low one. So I expect the winning score to be 30 under par or maybe even better than that. Obviously a very crazy type of event. Um, so looking at it, guys, uh, it is a seaside course, Ben Crunch, trout course design, Bermuda greens, Bermuda fairways. Uh, the green speeds are about a 10 on the stint meter. Uh, locations in Hawaii. The course is plantation course. It is a longer track measuring almost 7,600 yards. Uh, par 73 course, obviously it's a no cut event. So looking at the key stats that go into this tournament, we have it broken down by winning stats, top 10, made cuts, missed cuts. Obviously this is a no cut event. So none of those are going to be pulling in. What we can see here is that this is probably the closest that all the like key stats are in terms of winning, which tells us nothing. Basically, it tells us that these are all great players playing in an event is pretty much what this tells us. Uh, sure. Like if we're prioritizing stats, birdie or better percentage, uh, par four scoring. Okay. Ball striking. You know, that would be huge. Strokes gain tee to green. And if you were trying to choose one, and this is why I have it set up this way, strokes gain putting, strokes gain around the green, strokes gain approach, or strokes gain off the tee, I kind of want to prioritize one of those over the other. You'd prioritize strokes gain off the tee. And then also a very interesting thing as well, with the tournament playing longer, we do see the 200 plus iron accuracy be a big thing there as well. I uh, do want to call out as well, just overall greens and regulation are going to be key. Players that are peppering greens are going to be doing pretty well. Okay, so let's go ahead and just look at which players are going to be the top stat fits based off of this data that I put into the nine to five model. So I have this set up this way so that people can go in and kind of add in more stats that they want to get more data going into this. So what I'm looking at stroke scan total, uh, just at this time of the year, guys, with a lot of players having time off, I would just want to be looking at more general stats. Strokes gain total, effective scoring. That's that nine of five stat that kind of just measures really a player's ability to both make a cut and also capture upside. Obviously, this is no cut event, but we are still going to be capturing that upside. I do want to be looking at greens gained over the last 10 events. Just want to see players that consistently hit greens. And then I do try to, I want to try to capture some upside. So I'm going to be looking at birdie or better percentage over the last five. And so with that, we get 
these players ranking out as the top stat fits. Now, something we could do is toss in ball striking because we saw that, that was key. Could easily toss in that to maybe maybe switch it up a little bit. And then strokes gain um, off the tee potentially because we saw that was popping up. You could add that in there as well. It's not really changing the players are the top stat fits though because I do have other data going in on the back end uh, for the key stats. So let's go ahead and get into the course history. So course history wise, uh, we actually do have a pretty good sample size for a lot of golfers that have made more than one start at this tournament. With it being a no-cut event, um, an event in which only players that have won the previous year can play in prior to this year and the 2020 year, it's a little bit shocking that we have these many players popping in with course history. Obviously, these are some of the best players in the field or in the PGA Tour. And typically speaking, those guys are the ones that are winning each and every year. Uh, so Justin Thomas is the top player. And just looking at course history, that is very difficult to ignore. If you would say, you know, Justin Thomas in a no cut event, and an easy scoring event, like a lot of people would jump on him and would probably think that he does have the best course history or one of the best course histories in one of those events. It's kind of cool to see that. So top five finishes, four straight starts. I mean, that's crazy. Xander after that guy, Xander, 12th, 5th, 2nd, 1st. Obviously good stuff there. Kyle Morikawa really popping up there as well. Um, I want to point this out though. Players that have had a start at this tournament seem to be doing better than players that haven't because we have to go all the way down to JT Poston. And what is he like? Let's count out one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh on the list. Seventh best course history. And that's when we get our first player to have only one start at this event, which typically speaking, like given the small sample size nature of only having one start, typically speaking, those players can rank out as the best in course history. So I just found that super interesting there, guys, as a whole. So, um, I do think we could prioritize course history a little bit more and especially like the last year's starts as well. Okay. That's going to be the most true. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about recent form. And I want to point this out guys. Recent form is kind of a relative term coming into this event with players coming into this event. No one has really had a true competitive round of golf in a while. Okay. And some of the players that were playing in the fall swing, uh, you know, it's kind of a different thing. You're starting a new season. It's a new mentality and whatnot. Then you also look at the players that really haven't played a competitive round since the FedEx Cup playoffs. Just how geared up are they going to be to play? It's all very interesting uh, thought processes there. Um, but I also want to point out the fact that the more time off a golfer has had in between their starts, the more variance we see. Okay. So the recent form that we have here is still going to be good to look at. Um, I just, it's not going to be as important as it typically would be on a normal week. Okay. As the season progressive, recent form is going to become more and more and more important. The data point of recent form, I mean. Okay. So looking at right now, John Rom is going to be the top in recent form. Uh, and that's pretty much true between his last five starts, last 10 starts, and last 15 starts. If it were a, Full tournament field event, he would have a 96% chance to make the cut. That is how good of a play he is, just in general. Uh, he's also someone that, you know, just really just strong finishes lately. So tough to ignore him. And then we're looking at Patrick Hanley and Xander Schauffele. They are players that both ended the year really well. And Patrick Hanley is someone that really had a good start to the season. Uh, thus far as well. Tom Kim, kind of same thing. Tom Kim had a really good start to the season. No surprise there. Sanjay in popping up there. The biggest shock here is that Brian Harmon is really popping up as someone that has great recent form. A second, second, 23rd, 15th, and 21st place finishes for him coming in. So obviously that's really good there from him. Victor Hovland, another one that has really good form. Um, Tony Fino, I mean, these are all the best players in the world. So we are really uh, splitting hairs here, okay? And just out of curiosity, let's look at the last five starts. Who ranks out the best? Well, there we have Scotty Scheffler popping up, up in there a little bit more. Uh, I prioritize kind of 
wins a little bit more. So that's why some of the Cantley, Homa were popping up there. And recent form data goes to the last seven events. So a little bit different there, but we can see. Brian Harmon still popping up there. So just kind of crazy in that aspect. All right, let's go ahead and get into the specialist data. So the specialist data is pulling in all the unique characteristics for that week's tournament. Obviously, with it being a no-cut event, that would be one of them. Uh, other stuff, course designer, green type, course length, location of tournament, uh, par, par 73. You know, that's pretty unique. Scoring, easy scoring events. Um, so we have all that stuff. Okay, style, type, weather. So if we just wanted to look at, I don't know, course designer, who has the best starts at this course via... Uh, ben Crenshaw, we'd be looking at John Rahm, Patrick Hanley, Kellen Morikawa, Justin Thomas. So we'd be looking at that. So let's look at green type, best results on green types. And I always like to look at, um, I kind of combine it with putting on certain greens, but also finishes on greens. Um, I don't like just looking at one side of that because at the same time, like approach shots into greens as well, I think are not just as important, but also something to consider chips around the fringe i also want to consider so um i want to be looking at that as well that's included in here but we can see john ron popping up there length on this length which is kind of surprising patrick cantley right now is the best player lengthwise um then we have aaron wise tom hoagie it's pretty crazy and this is over the last uh seven starts guys so uh just keep that in mind location Hawaii starts. Wills Altores, Sunjay M. Sunjay M just dominates in Hawaii courses. So no shock there. Tony Finau popping up. John Rahm once again. Aaron Wise. Okay. Paul Rank, par 73 courses. John Rahm popping up again. Uh, if you guys haven't figured out, John Rahm's going to be a good place. So is Patrick Cantley. Scoring. Easy scoring events. Okay. Adams Fenson popping up there. That is very shocking to me, but some of that is mostly due to the fact that he was playing in easy scoring events at the beginning of the year, uh, events that did not have as high caliber of tournaments, but still can't take that away from him. Nice to see that popping up. Xander popping up there. No shock there. What I'm a little bit shocked by is how low Justin Thomas is in uh, easy scoring events. Course style. Okay. It is a seaside style course. Justin Thomas popping up there. Okay. No shock there. Really? Xander again, Colin Moore, Kyle popping up. Okay. Sanjay again. Then let's look at type. No cut events. Patrick Hanley, Xander, no big shocks there. And then weather. It is looking like it's going to be a good weather event. So don't have to worry about that too much. And then overall, who's the best specialist? John Ron, Patrick Hanley, Xander, Sanjay, and Justin Thomas, Scotty, Billy Ho. Okay. Just some, something fun to look at there. So let's go ahead and let's get into the meat and bones of this video. Let's get into the price point ranges, talking about those top plays. So one thing I want to point out really before we dive down to everything, this is the most core plays that I've had since I introduced the nine to five uh, data tag, which is what I call this. And that's just like, I call it the, uh, AI, I guess, if you will, uh, pretty much it's telling us data wise how we should value these players. And, and that's really just due to the nature of the event and the fact that we have a bunch of golfers that are coming in either off the FedEx Cup playoffs or off of a good fall swing. So just something crazy to point out that I and it is a, a smaller field event. So that's part of it as well. But I thought that was really crazy. I wanted to point that out. So it is going to be harder to really differentiate. OK, um, because we have so many great plays. <laughs> it's the summary. So just looking at the high tier, and this is uh, kind of a new feature to the cheat sheet, pulling up the data slicer, and I'm just going to go into the high tier price point tier. So looking at, I do think we need to start off with John Rahm. John Rahm is obviously kind of the class of the field, ranking out as the top play in the nine to five mile because Rory withdrew. Uh, we can see really the the bad data that we're looking at for John Rahm is going to be his recent form eight and his recent form nine. So really over his past few starts, just been a stud. John Rahm is one of those players that just very difficult not to love. Okay, he's coming in off of a victory at the DP World Tour. I didn't include the Hero World Challenge. That's the whole different thing to me. Um, 
finished eighth there, you know, whatever. But the fact of the matter is playing great golf. Okay. Uh, and course history wise, 10th or better finish. You know, if we could lock in a top 10 finish with the upside for him to potentially win, obviously finish second, one stroke behind Cam Smith last year. That's highly appealing for John Rahm as a play this week. Really no data points that suggest that he would struggle. We saw the specialist wise uh, really popping up there. Top specialist in the field. Course history ranks his biggest knock. And like I said, all top 10 finishes. So John Rahm is one of those players you need to be going out of your way to play. In a tournament in which like doing studs and duds is kind of the most logical approach, John Rahm is a player that we just need to be going out of our way to play. Then from there, I'll be looking at Patrick Cantley. This just seemed like a soft price point for someone like Patrick Cantley. That's one thing about DraftKings is that they do have a formula with their pricing that it says we need to price certain amount of players this way in this price point range. And so that's kind of the nice part about DraftKings. Like whereas NBA DFS, you could have three players in the 12k price point range or something like that same thing with like nfl you could have three 9k running backs that's really not the case with DraftKings. they have to spread it out so in bigger fields with great players you can a lot of times get a golfer that is underpriced and outright wise he is as well 16 to 1 uh, on the 9 to 5 betting sheet he was actually the player that had the top win rank right ahead of john rom so interesting stuff there uh we can see course history wise a fourth and a fourth uh 13th and 25th so uh, that's a key stat uh so really good stuff there you know two top five finishes and a 13th place finish the 13th place finish you know would slightly hurt you i guess at this price point but two top five finishes i really like that a recent form wise second seventh first so good stuff there did have one bad start but that was coming in off that playoff loss okay typically speaking you know golf is a mental game that's no big of a shock so and like typically speaking i don't really like to target those type of players coming in off of like playoff loss like he was so uh, i don't think we have to put too much into that uh we can see though just a really spectacular play second best specialist in the field second best pick in the nine to five model uh just wouldn't be shocking to see him have a great week as well from there continuing on in that high tier price point range and this is where i'm struggling guys is that we could play two of cantley and xander and feel very good about it feel like we're getting two top five finishes uh because on paper it should be and i'm kind of been going that route and that might be the approach to go this week is really try to focus in on golfers that are giving you top five upside okay instead of that safety that i typically like to do in no cut events i'm just chasing that upside okay because if two players really exceed their price point finish you know top five or even win that's going to help you out a lot a lot more than it typically would uh whereas like chasing made cuts is huge that's not really the case here okay no cut events Chase that upside. And that's going to be Xander Shoffley. Three straight top 10 finishes. I uh, had a 57th place finish. Not that best there, but, you know, had that winning streak in there, which was awesome. Um, you know, looking at his tournament history, 12th, 5th, 2nd, 1st. So what what's this thing that I don't like there, guys? It's on the descending trend. Okay. Typically, I like to see the upward trend. Uh and we don't have that. I guess for golf, it'd be a descending trend and ascending trend. Uh, anyways, his course history has gotten him worse each year, which I don't like. But at the same time, come on, he, he could easily go and have a great tournament. Uh, still the second best course history. Uh, third best pick in the 95 miles. Someone I definitely want to play this week. And then, you know, Scotty, you know, he's a great play. Obviously, if you're going to force Scotty, go ahead and do it. JT feels a little bit too risky uh, this week, but obviously has the best course history in the field. So wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week. The only player I'm struggling with really is going to be Colin Morikawa. 
hasn't really been there game wise. Uh, so I don't really feel the need to play him. And then Tony Finau, for some reason, has just kind of struggled at this tournament. If we get a 19th place finish, which is his best finish here over the last four years, like that is going to hurt us. That's not going to help us. So just kind of things to think about uh, there. So let's go ahead and get into the mid tier price point here. Once again, pulling up the data slicer, I'm just going to move it down into that mid tier. So looking at it, um, we can see like these are all going to be good plays. Willie Z, Cameron Young. They haven't made starts here. Tom Kim as well. Uh, you know, hasn't made a start here. I guess that would kind of be the worry. You know, I did a big report uh, pretty much saying game in the game how to make GPP winning lineups. And a big trend in terms of course history was that a lot of the winning GPP lineups and outright bets, really, they had some sort of course history or event history, okay? So that is something I'm kind of trying to prioritize a little bit more where like maybe the, the results at the tournament don't really matter too much, but just given the fact that they had had a start at that tournament, I, I kind of want to prioritize that. So someone like Max Homa is a play that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, GPP wise, we know the upsides there. Okay. Max Soma has just been kind of on a, a great run for the past really two years. Okay. Uh, coming in off of uh, two top 25 finishes, a first, a fifth, and then, you know, just pretty good recent form as a whole. I would say he is priced correctly. Um, but I do like the fact that he has two starts at this tournament, a 25th in his first start and then a 15th. So that is pretty good stuff there from him. Overall, not a terrible play, but not a, like I need to play him. Yes. He does rank out top eight in the nine to five mile, but, um, He's more or less a shoulder shrug play, just giving us price point because I really want to be loading up on studs and kind of ignoring this price point range. Yes, we can play one or two of them, but I don't want to go crazy with it. Looking at Sunjam, he's a player that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, recent form, it's been weird. Honestly, he had a great stretch in here. And prior to that, did not have good stretch. Prior to that, had not been playing great golf. So just interesting stuff there. Uh, the thing that I like is that he does have a Good course history, eighth and a fifth place finish. And he's also someone that just plays really well in Hawaii, as we saw. One of the best players in Hawaii. Okay. Just likes these type of events. So, and maybe that just goes to kind of Sun JM as a player where he likes to play a lot of golf, likes to get a lot of competitive rounds. And I, I don't really know, but the data says, hey, he produces well in these situations. So I do think he's going to be a good play. Obviously, he's seventh best pick in the 95 mile. He always ranks out as a good stat fit as well. So um, a, a player that I'm definitely going to be looking at. And maybe part of the reason is just because he's peppering greens, making birdies, uh, not really making many mistakes, you know, so he should be kind of a safe play. Um, if we're trying to play two players in this price range, I think it'd be those two. But I don't think we can ignore Brian Harmon, who really just popping up, uh, given the recent form obviously uh stat fit as well he has started the year pretty well ranking out top 15 in the field stat fit wise which not elite once again i, I wish we had some course history from him but just given the form it, it's tough to ignore him he, he has been playing some great golf so i do think we should add some pieces to him um the thing with brian Harmon is like if this was like a normal event in which we didn't have a big gap between starts for golfers i'd feel really great about brian Harmon. but i feel like the fact that this tournament takes place at a time in which a lot of golfers don't have a lot of competitive rounds in lately, I, I kind of feel like that evens the field. So given the fact that we like Brian Harmon because of the strong recent form, I feel like that doesn't matter as much. It wouldn't be shocking if he has a good week. At the same time, I don't love it. Okay. Um, a player I'll definitely play, but let's not go crazy with it. A player that I'm worried about is going to be Hideki. Just um, where is he at health-wise? Okay. We don't know. We It's it's tough to know with Hideki. He can have a random withdrawal or could play really well. Uh, Jordan Speed, you know, just has struggled at this event in the past. Sam Burns, definitely an upside play. Like, these are all okay plays. Victor Hovland has really struggled at this event, which is strange as well. So, I, I don't know wh where we go with that. So, 
I, I like the players that I like. Brian Harmon, Sanjay M, and also Max Homa. Now from here, getting to low tier, you know, this week and kind of the data says play three studs, play two players in this price point tier, the low tier, ignore the mid tier for the most part. You're, you're pretty much pulling from like this price point range to try to make a strong lineup. Okay. And then you're pulling from one player like right around here pretty much. So Billy Horschel, I don't mind, you know, wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good, good week. Corey Connors is someone that's popping up as well. I don't mind him as a play, but really I like Aaron Wise. Aaron Wise just makes a ton of sense. Uh, of course, history wise, I love the fact that he has a start. It wasn't the best finish, the 27th place finish, but you know, there's going to be some familiarity there. Key stat wise brings out top 10 or better in all the key stats that we're looking at in the field. Uh, that's partially due to him having a good fall swing. Uh, we can see if we're looking at recent form, ranks top 14 over the last 10 starts, ranks top 10 over the last 15 starts, and ranks top 12 over the last five starts. So overall, if we get him ranking out top 14 in the field at his price point, that's going to be huge. Okay, we're going to get his top 16 in the model, not price top 16. I like that top 10 staff hit. I'm going to be chasing that upside. From there, I also like Seamus Power, who Seamus Power, you know, just kind of sets up well for this tournament. Uh, had a 15th place finish at this event last year, which given the price tag, we would certainly take. That would be a great result. He's someone that was coming in with great recent form as well. Fifth, third, first, good stuff there from him. I will chase that recent form, but much like Brian Harmon, the recent form... <sighs> Given the nature of this event and given that being like one of his better data points, I guess the last three starts, it does worry me a little bit. Someone I like, someone I think we should play, but let's not go too crazy with it. And that's really it. Like Adam Scott, I think is a fine play. Russell Henley, can he just pepper greens and get his way to a top 25 finish? Sure. Keegan, Keegan's. Could be a sneaky play. Silly Tagala, a birdie maker. Uh, you know, you never want to question or throw that out of the equation. So a good play there as well. Let's go ahead and get into the value tier. The value tier is really where GPP's cash lamps are going to be one loss. So like Mackenzie Hughes, a fine play. Don't don't want to go out of my way to play him. Like if you end up on, I'm sure. The two players I really like the most are going to be JT Poston. JT Poston finished 11th at this event three years ago, which is pretty crazy. I wouldn't have guessed that, honestly. Uh, recent form has been very hit or miss, okay? But he's someone key stat wise peppering greens. Okay. I, I talked about the importance of like ball striking uh, and just hitting greens. I like to see that from him. So that tells me that he's going to give himself enough opportunities to make some birdies. And we just hope that he can get hot with the putter. Okay. So not a terrible play. I do think he'll be able to outproduce his price point. Uh, you know, he's ranked 22nd in the model. Definitely not priced that way on the slate. And then Scott Stallings as well. Scott Stallings is looking like he's going to be a pretty, pretty good GPP play. That's the best way to describe it because recent form has strolled, but when he has been on, he has been on. And man, I have lost some money betting outright wise with Scott Stallings because it has been so close so many times, but at the same time, just betting him top 10 has been huge. He has been someone that, you know, had been money for a while there last season where he just kept producing, which was awesome. Uh, key stat wise, another guy that's, you know, just pretty good as a whole, um, you know, just a GPP play, someone that I think could outproduce this this price tag. But uh, honestly, guys, I do have a little bias to him because of he, he did have a good stretch with us for a while there. From there, we, we remember Adams Fenson kind of popping up there, uh, specialist-wise, so I don't mind that. J.J. Spawn, been someone that's been playing pretty well this fall. You know, he, he could be someone that pops. Trey Molinax, you know, Trey Molinax is a very interesting play because he is someone that had a great Corn Ferry Tour end of his season and then came into the fall swing 
struggled, and then he had a fourth place finish. So it's really where is he at mentally? Because a lot of those golfers that had played well in the Corn Ferry Tour either really continued that, Taylor Montgomery and whatnot, or they were like Justin Suh, like Trey Molinax, who kind of struggled for a little bit, but I do expect him to be okay. Will he outproduce his price tag? Hopefully. It's not that hard to outproduce like being the third lowest price player on a slate. He is someone that I don't mind. This is to me, like if you guys watch my NFL DFS videos, you know that I say a lot of times to just punt at defense, play the lowest price defense on the slate. That's kind of how I feel about Trey Mullinax in a no cut event and maybe even JJ Spawn where we're just punting, know that they're not going to go negative in this sense. It's know that they're going to outproduce their price tag and be fine with it and then just load up on studs. So who are my favorite plays? Who are the core plays? Well, my favorite core plays, one is going to be Patrick Cantlay, second best pick in the nine to five mile, just makes a ton of sense. My other core play is going to be Xander Shoffley, just a really strong price point play as well. And then obviously John Rahm. Okay, those are the top three picks in the 9-5 model. What I've learned from doing a lot of like research and deep dives is just play the best players. Don't kick you with it. Like, yes, sometimes the best players will not produce. You know, that's that's how it goes. Okay, most of the time they will. And most of the time you're ever going to have a good week chasing that. So if we can fit those three into a build together with some other players, like that'd be huge. And so I do think like given their price points, I really like Aaron Wise and also Seamus Power, like core plays wise, I would be ending up on them. It's just, can we do that? That's the biggest question. Okay. And let's go ahead and try to figure that out if we can. So going to be doing a first look build. So like I said, I do want to get John Rom, Patrick Hanley, Xander Shoffley. Let's put those guys into a build. Then I'm going to go ahead and put in Aaron Wise, Seamus Power. We have 6.2 left over, and boom, we can fit in Trey Mullinax. There we go. And like that is, oh man, that gets me excited. That should be a good build. Let's show you guys what that looks like on the 9 of 5 uh, lineup uh, tool just to see how it projects. But I'm excited for that build. That could be a very good build because we are literally getting the top three plays and then getting two players that seem to be underpriced. Then we're getting Trey Mullinax who should be able to outproduce his price tag. Very interesting there. I like that. Um, so let's go ahead. Like I said, I'll pull this into the nine to five lineup builder. Oh, so yeah, the lineup tool right here, just plug those players in. And so here's what it would look like. Okay, fantasy point projection, 600 points, which is huge. And actually I wanna pull up the write-up. So I did like a GPP winning lineup, like how to win it. Go and read that, guys. This is crazy about like the golf industry right now. It's like doing deep dives like this, that has 50 views. And the video I post has like 300 views. Like people don't care about how to win. It's very strange, honestly. So I broke this down into like event types as well. So no cut events. So cashing and no cut events takes 458.8 on average, but is the easier scoring event. So about 630. Okay. So that's kind of the number we want to be hitting. And I would say we're, we're kind of right there. So winning a GPP lineup and easy scoring events, 762. So I think we're kind of right there by being at uh, 607. Obviously these are base projections. If players outproduce their projections, which, you know, you would kind of consider John Ron, Patrick Hanley and Xander to be able to do that, you know, get a couple more birdies and whatnot. And then obviously the other golfers should be able to do that as well. You know, I think we're right there. So a pretty good build. The closer you can get to uh, that 638 main cash number and no cut events, obviously the better. I think we're pretty close there. Average mile rank 10. So really good stuff there. Um, the FanDuel salaries need to be updated. Just FYI, I didn't say that. Uh, they're always slower than DraftKings. That's why DraftKings is kind of king in golf. Course history-wise, really good stuff. Staff hit-wise, really good stuff. Specialist-wise, really good stuff. Like All signs point to this being a good enough build. But that's all I have for you guys for this video. This is something I think I will make a live stream typically on Monday afternoons, really once the salaries are dropped. So be on the lookout for that. I think that'd be something fun to do. Um, just given the nature of this week with the salaries already being dropped, with us still having kind of NFL being a priority to everyone, um, got this out a little bit later than normal. So if you guys enjoyed it, make sure to give a like and subscribe. Obviously, really good stuff here. Um, let's have a 
a good slate. And guys, as always, let's keep cashing. We did have a great fall swing. And so like when I say let's keep cashing, I literally mean let's continue that because that was a fun, fun fall swing. All right, I'm out. Thanks for watching. Let's have a good slate. And as always, let's keep cashing.